we I think in the last probably couple of weeks we've come to this realization of like oh crap people are actually listening to this <laughs> and it's been this kind of like yeah. Uh, yeah like we gotta actually make sure we're putting stuff out. listening to a Christian and an atheist walk into a bar. As always, I am your host, Jay, let them eat gay wedding cake Stooksberry, and with me is my co-host, Ty Leviticus 11.9, God hates shrimp, gallon bag. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a special guest today, we have us, she actually joined us in our last season, Nathan Clay, so a hey round of applause for yeah. the return of Nathan. Yeah, thank right. you. And if you can tell by the intro, uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, sexuality in faith today. That's the topic. Um, and the reason why, uh, why we invited Nathan is because he's a good friend, but also the, uh, this has become topical recently, uh, in his church Mm -hmm. and maybe he can talk a little bit about that. But before we do that, we always need to get to what are we drinking this episode? That's right. Um, so we got an email uh, recently, and I meant to have that pulled up, but I don't have it pulled up. <laughs> it's so. a, from a lovely listener by the name of Tom Fisher. There you go. And he you. he wrote a, a actually pretty lengthy email that we're probably going to have to respond to it in chunks. Yeah. Because um, he brought up a lot of really good suggestions and topics. Um, but more importantly, he, he actually gave us a really good beer recommendation. So that's what we went with today. Well, I do want to address his thing about, you know, the he he had an issue with our stance on pineapple on pizza. Yes. He didn't agree with it. And yes. his comment was, unless you're willing to die on the hill that says french fries and ice cream are not delicious together. And... I would die on that hill. Really? I do not think that... No. Like, the people that dip their french fries in Frosties, like, which Uh, is my wife, but uh I think that's such a terrible thing. So, (laughs) yes, I am willing to die on that hill. So, uh, let me me backstep a little bit then. (laughs) Would you... Would you eat ice cream and french fries at the same time? Not necessarily intermingling them? No. No. Take a bite of chocolate ice cream, then take a french fry, you won't do that? Nope. Like wow. you, you're just a cereal eater. Like you'll have to eat all the French fries. No, I'm definitely not that guy. But those those two sensations and flavors what, together. What, really? what about popcorn with M and M's? That's that's the same. Kind I don't of like thing. popcorn. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh, we're gonna have so much more hate mail. I'm out there throwing it out, throwing the gauntlets. Um, but he did send us some great beer recommendations, yes. which we picked up. Um, one of them. Um, the New England style Indian pale ale from Epic Brewing. This one is called Drama Juice. I don't know if they do. It says rotating series, so I figure there may be multiple releases of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, trying this IPA from them. Haze Meter 10, Juice Factor 10, Dankness, which I don't know what that word means. <laughs> Oh, no, it's not a 10. There's a sliding scale. Sorry, I can't read their can. It's like a 10 on haze, 9 on juice, and six, Well, how much dankness? Six, six on dankness. Six dankness. Yeah. These all sound like very made-up metrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, Awesomeness, I'm, 8.5. That's right. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm I, a 10 on dankness. What do you guys think about this, though? I like it. Yeah. I uh, I actually really like the trend of where IPAs are going right now because for a long time it was everyone just tried to hop the crap out of their beers and just it was all about IBUs and right. not about flavor. And this one is not hoppy. It's actually a little more on the, the fruitier side. So mm-hmm. juicy. Got, yeah. Juicy. Definitely high on the juice metric. Right. Um, Man, Nathan's almost finished his and we're just you starting. You didn't so. actually give me one, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where mine went. <laughs> <laughs> so, fortunately there's more that's right so well thank you so much for the mm-hmm. recommendation uh, we love getting ideas for anything right things to drink we love that people yeah we love that people actually listen to our show yeah <laughs> yes, it's a it's a good it's a good show guys Thanks. Well, you know it 
we I think in the last probably couple of weeks we've come to this realization of like oh crap people are actually listening to this <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's been this kind of like yeah, uh, yeah. like we got to yeah. actually make sure we're putting stuff out well, so good. yeah that's yeah, good for us yeah. which is why we brought you in so you can you know add some good content to yeah. what we're throwing well. out here I'll put too much expectations. So, so you can give maybe a little more in-depth understanding of what's happening. But uh, recently, the Methodist Church, which you're a member of, uh, Mm -hmm. was uh, made the news recently about a uh, basically a division that's happening within your particular church. And maybe Mm -hmm. you can give us a little background on that. Sure, absolutely. So. So the Methodist Church is a Protestant denomination. Just to be very clear, this is the United Methodist Church. There are other Methodist churches in the world that have already um, split from the main body for various reasons. Methodism itself is a couple hundred years old. Um, it's it's it itself was um, born from Anglicanism. Um, John Wesley kind of took the uh, the leftover pieces of Catholicism that remained in Anglicanism and um, went a step further where he was going out to the masses and doing a lot of translation into English and common English so that the folks could understand little basic pieces of of um, scripture and was doing things like writing hymns in basic common English at the time when most hymns were still in Latin or high English. Um, and so he was really taking taking the religion to the common man. So anyway, fast forward a couple hundred years, there's a few different versions of Methodism. The United Methodist um, Church being the largest portion of the denomination. It's the Global United Methodist Church. So the United Methodist Church consists of, of um, groups, conferences from all over the world. Um, and so this particular vote that we're talking about that that's in question right now and it's really caused a lot of turmoil in the church is a global question and that is actually very crucial to to the overall outcome the book of um discipline is the document document that the church has produced as a living working document over the course of its lifetime so it has evolved just like any um letter articles of incorporation essentially so that's the operating book of of the united methodist church in 1968 it had a it had a list of things that you had to be to be ordained it was an ordination kind of checklist which is fine most i mean i'm sure all religions have it to for their ordained ministers in 1972 there was a vote at general conference which is a meeting every i think four years um of the United Methodist Church, and there's conference delegates from each of the sub-conferences throughout the world. And so those delegates meet somewhere in the world once every four years. This year it's in St. Louis. In 1972, it was in Pennsylvania, I think. Well, anyway, they probably in response to what was happening in the late 60s with um, the little bit maybe libertine approach of that generation and the gay rights um, the birth of gay rights movement was probably a response. And uniquely, they took out this one quote-unquote sin and put it in the Book of Discipline in that same chapter about the qualifications of a priest, which talk about being of high moral standing, the things that you would normally think a priest should represent. And at the very end, and it says, and, and as such, the uh, practicing... A self-avowed practicing homosexual cannot be ordained. There's another chapter earlier about you cannot um, you cannot marry same-sex marriage. There is a chapter a paragraph later that talks about the fact that all are to be welcomed into the United Methodist Church as a member. It's just specifically a self-professed practicing which is a very interesting phraseology mm-hmm. self-avowed 
practicing homosexual cannot be a member of the clergy. And just to clarify, do you mean when you're talking about same-sex marriages and you can't oversee? Correct. You, you cannot ordain correct. A, a same-sex marriage. Correct. Okay. Right. So they cannot, they can't perform that. They can't be ordained. Um, there are already bishops that are already, there are bishops that are ordained. The bishop, the bishop of the Western Conference is a, is a out lesbian woman, wonderful lady. Um, so it's really interesting. Um, anyway, so the, the vote just came in St. Louis um, to take the traditional approach, uh, traditionalist viewpoint, which is to uphold that particular exclusion phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's become very contentious there where The defendants will say, "Well, it's just be, it's just the ordination process. You can only we're just talking about the leadership in the church. Everyone else is still welcome." The other side says, "You know, get the log out of your own eye before you look at your brother or any amount of quotes that you could think about." Um, and of course, that's what we're going to talk about in depth. But but so that that's the that's the, the the tribulation right there. The reason that it's a worldwide vote is important is because overwhelmingly. The Western United States and the Northeastern United States um, voted, and like ninety to nine, ninety to ninety-two percent voted to erase those excluding clauses from from hmm. the from the uh, Book of Discipline. The entirety of the nation of Africa, where uh, we should remember that homosexuality is not only a sin to them, it's punishable by up to death. Right? I mean, you it's can get executed. Right. It's criminalized to a to an extreme degree. It's not like mm-hmm. you get caned like you might in South Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. who was also a large dissenting vote. But in Africa, so those African nations, it's there's no question. Oh, right. Southeast Asia, the same story. So those those majority votes outweighed the rest of the world in saying what the what what the if we're going to change the biblical discipline or not and so the folks that are on the um losing side of that vote how i guess that's the best way to say that foresee the time in the very near future maybe a year or two where there is a, a major schism in the united methodist church um and schism sounds very old and um <laughs> Um, you know, Byzantine, but that's really quite frankly what it will probably will be. A lot of folks um, are really, really hurt by this, as you can imagine. And sitting right across the pew, the the, the aisle from them are folks that feel very vindicated. Right. So it has caused a, a very palpable dynamic swing, and all of a sudden, it's all anyone can talk about, from the little ladies in the back. Down to you know my generation who you know so just to make sure I'm following because I think reading news articles it makes this sound different than how you presented it this is not a change in standpoint it's an upholding of the current standpoint that's correct okay yeah. and that standpoint was was added in 1972. Okay. So in 1968, the the general conference approved, ratified the current bylaws, which they do every conference. Right. That did not include the specific clause, and it's and it's very it, it it's almost like at the end at the end of this list of virtuous things that a pastor should be when they're ordained into the Holy United Methodist Church, it's almost like you say, and just a reminder, don't steal things. Right. <laughs> it's like very like. Oh well, okay. Then we're we're putting an emphasis. We're putting a real exclamation point on this particular one. And you know, you can imagine all the sociological reasons why that occurred at that time. Right. So then, for for that to be the the standard, then how do you get prominent people in leadership positions who do self-identify as as not straight or is homosexual. The or... same way that you have states voting in marijuana where it's federally illegal. Ah, so states' rights, huh? States, so essentially we're talking about a group where the Western United States Conference 
appointed a bishop who was a known lesbian out outed mm -hmm. or self-avowed as the discipline right. <laughs> book of self-avowed she was self-avowed and still became not only ordained as a minister but became the bishop of that group and is a, again just a wonderful insightful woman hmm. who um you know is is it's just a, such an interesting thing because she must be crushed by this. Sure, it's what, basically yeah. her, her faith community saying, "You don't belong here. You do not belong in your position." You know, right? And the, the point has been brought up. Well, sixty years ago, women weren't in at, at all mm -hmm. right. supposed to be there, and they were supposed to wear skirts only, and they were supposed to wear a hat. And they were to sit together. And, 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 you know, when I went to the mosque in Las Vegas with my Muslim buddy, there the, the women were behind a screen in the corner, you know. And it very, it's a very real thing throughout the world. And I don't, and it's not just with Islam. Modern Protestantism was, was modeling that very same behavior pattern less than 60 years ago. So mm -hmm. it's not like... It's not like this is some crazy revolutionary thing that, or not revolutionary. It's, it's not like this is some new thing where this element of fear and withholding exists. Hmm. I don't so think. my question is, and I have ideas, but I want to hear, you know, from an insider's point of view. So nothing changed. Like, the reality is nothing changed on the books because of this vote. So why do you think it is that all of a sudden there's this uproar about Be how this is being withheld? Because amongst a large population percentage of, of United Methodist, which is the second largest Protestant denomination in the U.S., Methodist is. Um, thank you. <laughs> um the overwhelming majority of people thought it would. And right. so I think it's more of a, it's a lament. It's a cry of love, lamentation. Okay. It is a, it is a disappointment. It is a, what some people feel a real betrayal. And again, this is the thing. And it's very interesting microcosmically in the Delta United Methodist Church. Quite literally, it's kind of a 50-50 thing. Half awesome. of our church is very um, upset and half of them feel, like I said, very vindicated. It's been, it's really interesting to see people out themselves in their true colors. And, and, and just, you know, a lot of rhetoric gets thrown around. Well, if you don't, then you're hateful. Well, or you hate them. You hate gays. If you, no, I really think you can exist just like sexuality on the spectrum. Sexuality is, is not a binary concept. It's a huge, wide spectrum of, of, preferences and um abilities and just it's just so we can't boil it down to to these type of very binary definitions and just is the same as the church you know you can't buy you can't boil it down to any binary choice and in, in my little little 50 person now because of this topic adult sunday school class which usually will draw maybe 20 all of a sudden the whole place is full now because of this topic and it's been very Tense and people get extremely touchy. Yeah. Well, now is actually going to be my next question for you: is how do you see it playing out just within your own community? But it sounds like it's already kind of drawing some yeah. some lines in the sand. Well, yeah. Do you do you think though? So when you mentioned the word schism, do you see this as being something that plays out into a larger movement towards a separate? Methodist congregation or something that drastic? Undoubtedly, yes. Hmm. Yeah, this is going to be the beginning of a different formation of the Methodist Church, or or maybe called something totally different. Methodist Church is a trademark symbol, you know. The cross and the flame is what we have on the side of our church. That's a registered trademark. Hmm. So if the church, when it boils down to it, the the church, you know. In a, in a very wild, <clears throat> uh, I guess I say wild. To me, it's wild. In a, in in um, in the choice to make people kind of commit, I guess, which is bizarre in itself. I guess they really want to force the issue. They have church individual pastors have to send in a 
a letter of adherence, which really fired my me up. I just kind of lost it at this, but they had to send in a letter of adherence by the by January one, twenty twenty one, that says I agree with the 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 traditionalist view of the upholding of the traditionalist view in the in the uh, book of discipline, and so. So they have two years to let yeah, this fire burn, though. Basically. Mm. Wow. Yep. And so each church is going to have to deal with it individually. Um, so does it come up, so is that a an individual person or an individual church? It's an individual church. Um, not to go too far down the rabbit hole of, like, the... But basically pastors are, are they can apply where to go and they can really, they can, um, try to guide their, um, pastoral assignment, but essentially it is just that it is assignment for the United Methodist church. And so you can be moved essentially against your will, even though that sounds very, you know, but, but, but it's you God's will. It's God's will. It is, of course. <laughs> so, so God's will can move you around in the, in the United Methodist church. And so the pastoral, person would have to fit the church and so you might have disconnects there amongst the many regional churches where the pastor may feel very drastically different than the majority of the of the um you know parish that he's he's at you may have where i mean if i were to speculate about delta i would say that the delta united methodist church is going to cease being united methodist church and will become whatever the new version of methodism is where we do not specifically exclude any class of individual. Um, and so we will probably have to take down the cross and flame. We will no longer be called ourselves the United Methodist Church. It will be the Delta American Church of who knows what it might be, but it could totally change. Um, the pastor at that time would have to decide whether he wanted to stay. Um, a number of the folks that go to the church would decide whether they have to stay. Can you be well, me Methodist? <laughs> we can't be Methodist. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so church splits, which is what this is going to inevitably be at this point, um, create all sorts of chaos. Yeah. But so because this is a, you know, like you're talking about how trademarked, how indoctrinated this building is. You you don't think United Methodist will maintain that even if it's ten percent of the congregation, and the rest have to find a new location. You think? It's, well, they would want to, but it's, but it is down. It will be down to individual churches whether they want to secede or not. Essentially, okay. Huh. Mm -hmm. Well, and so I I'm reading this as we're talking, trying to make sure I'm staying up to point. And so one of the things that I was just reading is that part of this blow up has come because the Council of Bishops actually recommended this be changed. Yes. And then that was denied. Do yes. you have more insight into Um yeah, so it, in a little bit in a little bit of a mirror of American politics, it was a little bit like the the um, popular vote lost. Mm. Um, it was, so it was this, these delegates that essentially went against the decision. So the council of bishops is a little bit like the executive branch and there, there is, there's essentially three branches to the, it's, it's more, it's become more two, but essentially there's that checks and balances there where the council of bishops is like the executive branch. The general assembly is like the Congress that I was talking about a minute ago. And then the, uh, I think it's the essentially the clerk the, the the clerical that's not a word in it. Well, it. It can be. It can be if you're confident. <laughs> okay. The clerical <laughs> the clerical body. Clerical body clerical, clerical body. That's clerical. <laughs> the clerical body. So essentially the, the groups of the, the, the clerical. <laughs> now it's a word. That body of individuals. Um that's the kind of the three so the council of bishops essentially tried to veto it in, in, in a certain term um, that they said the majority of this specific inclusion 
of exclusionary terms <laughs> because it's an, it's right it was inserted to the purpose of excluding people and so sure. they said the the inclusion of these exclusionary concepts is um, unconstitutional <laughs> and and it's, that's actually the, the phrase that they use on huh. that is un- unconstitutional and so unconstitutional in the sense of what the like the charter the of book of discipline okay. the charter the constitution okay. of the united methodist church book but not of like american constitution no yeah. no you don't have the second amendment no no you know <laughs> um, the right to bear methodist yeah <laughs> Dish. 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 <laughs> the right to be methodist uh so that's the 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 council uh, council of bishops is essentially like the executive branch they said this is unconstitutional the greater body won by just a very narrow margin and said, yeah, no, nope, we're, 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 we're sticking with the thing that was introduced in 1972. And I, I think that's important. I keep saying that, but it's a very important thing to make because the inclusion was reaction by a, what at the time was a very conservative baby, not baby boom, greatest generation. Um, you know, their kids were just starting to become teenagers there in their 50s and stuff after the war in the late 60s, and they see a real threat to their way of life. Mm-hmm. And that's really, I think, what this boils down to is a cultural argument, um, one, of, one of being afraid of a different lifestyle, something you don't understand, and one of, in my mind, what Jesus of Nazareth talked about quite a little bit, Radical inclusion and radical love. Right. Um, and well, so, what I was reading is that the group of bishops was just voting, like their whole stance was let the individual congregations decide. Like that's what they were pushing for. Not necessarily a total exemption of that policy, just to let it become more individualized. So their plan was called the One Church Plan. Right. So the one church plan was exactly what you just described, Ty, except it was going to strike that language. It would take it out. It would take it out of okay. the... But again, we're not talking about... It's an exclusion. It's like a double negative. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's So it's exclusionary terms. And so it wouldn't prevent, like you exactly, exactly like you just said, it wouldn't prevent the Delta United Methodist Church, for instance, to say, no, we're not going to hire any gay clergy because that's what... And you know... We had a, the whole debate, not the whole debate, well, it was a whole debate in a roundabout way today, was the idea of justified, um, or is it is it is it right to judge things in certain ways? Well, of course, we judge all of the things, stealing and murder and speeding and running red lights and all these things that we have come to, real, to, to say as beneficial judgments. This... The debate now is whether this inclusion or these exclusionary terms are a beneficial judgment or not. It's clearly a, a discriminating phrase. Right. This group of individuals cannot. Right. But is that a just discrimination or not? And so that's the real debate. But it's not really a debate at the, at the broad global level anymore because they, they it's over. I yeah. mean, it's, yeah. So now it really is down to each church to say whether or not they, what they want to do about themselves. And so, I think it's going to be real hell for a lot of these congregations. It's going to be really, really miserable time. And I think we're going to see some very radical changes in a lot of, I just think in general, a lot of church and a lot of Christianity is is really starting to shift in their thinking on sexuality. And, mm-hmm. and this is, again, the second largest Protestant denomination. It's a real big example. And it's a lull in media or something, man, but it's got a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got a lot of attention right now. And, and, I, and I think it because it's real... It, 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 it strikes a real chord with people. It's not a it's not an esoteric thing for our generation, you know. For my folks' generation and for the generation above that that I go to still go to church with, homosexuality is this very nebulous concept. It exists el- elsewhere, somewhere else, yeah. in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's that's that. You know, it it exists in in this fictional mm-hmm. idealized version of somewhere else that, mm-hmm. not the guy. You know, you you, you listen, guys. <laughs> Folks in my church, I'm saying, 
you're already going to church with these people. You know these people. They're your mailman. They're your doctor. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you don't know. And right. you're acting out of ignorance, in my opinion. But I got real, I get real, I get pretty fired up in church about this. Yeah. Which, which is not maybe. That's why we invited you on. <laughs> yeah. Very major. So you, you, you mentioned that this is, uh, the deadline's 2021 for this, right? Well, for the individual pastors to say to the church whether or not they want to be part of the, the new the thing or the, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so all that has to suss itself out. And then, you know, I'm sure there's already pastors that had that letter drafted in or sent it in. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do this. We're already done. So then that was my next question is, are, people are already kind of raising another flag to rally around. Absolutely. Instantaneously, a dissenting, the minority report was issued from a, a couple of different bodies within the United Methodist Church, which immediately garnished a large percentage, of a huge, overwhelming percentage of North America and Europe support the one church policy. South America, Southeast Asia. And interestingly, Asia proper was was fairly neutral. I would have thought they would have swung toward the more traditional traditionalist viewpoint Mm -hmm. southeast asia very traditionalist Mm -hmm. um all the island states japan is a is is an outlier but southeast asia and africa and south america hardline traditional and Mm. so the global perspective meant that the so essentially going for the united methodist church is going to exist in south america Parts of the American South and Southeast, Africa, and the, the the Asian South Pacific. And you, so, but before the show, you made a really interesting point that I want to make sure it's highlighted on here. Um, when you talk about these types of kind of polarized conversations, um, you mentioned this is something that actually brings more people to the church. So it's actually sure. kind of galvanizing yeah. on both sides. So do you see this as something that actually will? Uh, embolden both sides in terms of membership? Um, you know, yeah, I guess in my, in my, in my God-based optimistic viewpoint of the world, I think <laughs> that indeed this is the work of the Spirit of God, and I think that indeed schism within the church has never, granted it has I mean, I, I was using the, the example of the Protestant Reformation, and people think of Martin Luther nailing his, his demands to the church door, and that, oh, well, okay, now we're going to change. Well, in reality, it was 250 years of extremely bloody conflict and near genocide for some of these folks and horrible political intrigue. And out of that rose the Protestant Reformation and Anglican Church, which ended up being the, the catharsis for all of faith in America. Mm-hmm. Because as the Protestant Reformation grew and informed freedom for for belief, John Wesley and you know um, the Lutheran tradition were were spreading to America and formed a huge amount of thought processes for early America. So anyway, I I just think that yes, it's going to undoubtedly cause a schism or a a separation, but I do think in the end that those huge radical changes lead to growth and understanding in the church. I mean, if you look at the very first schism, you know, out of that we got the wonderful rich Orthodox heritage, which helped to bring Christianity to millions of people throughout Central Asia and Russia and Greek, you know, the the, the Greek speaking part of the world. Um, and it was a horrible, horrible thing for a couple hundred years when the East, you know, Constantinople seceded from Western Rome and all of a sudden there was two things in the world broken half, quite literally for them at that time. Mm-hmm. We're not going to see anything that drastic here, but I do think that it is going to be a massive sea change that we're going to continue to see play out and probably in some very nasty ways. I, I just don't think that this is something that sees... I think an unfortunate amount of just civil behavior and people really get fired up about it and myself included. And so the quote was, well, the only thing I'm intolerant of is intolerance itself, which, mm. you know, how that's like a, 
you get very trapped if you start to to try to fight fire with fire in these situations you know i want to i myself want you know i was very very fired up when it first happened and you know in part of my mind i want to obliterate that that very hypocritical mindset that very binary um mindset i just I despise it, and it's everything that I believe Christ was talking about when in his day and age. He was a very radical guy. He he had very radical things to say, and I, and I think if we don't honor that spirit and try to love and um, accept in a very radical way, then we're not really doing it justice. And it's not easy, of course, but... And we remember exactly what Jesus said about homosexuality in the Bible, too, right? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. not a damn yeah, thing. Nobody. <laughs> no. And so actually, that's where a lot of the debate went today was, so you go down that path far enough and you get to the point of whether he was trying to... Um, the the common... The, the line from Paul is he was trying to um, fulfill the prophecy not to erase it to, or to, to fulfill the law not trying to erase the, the law and so this boils down in, in my church it has boiled down to that well he was it's not it's not the that that all of these things that appear in leviticus that we we cherry we we cherry pick the bible and some people aren't even willing to go that far and so i don't know maybe i'm getting ahead of the conversation no here, but that's no, why that's why going, i brought up shrimp going. in the very yeah. beginning too so that's a very difficult thing for a lot of people to rectify shrimp um Eating meat on Sabbath, working mm -hmm. on Sabbath, all these things that Judaic law, Jesus was a Jew, mm -hmm. Jesus would have been observing all of these very Judaic things and would mm -hmm. have understood that. Well, cultures changes. Mm -hmm. We have the debate in our church. Well, has God, you know, done? Has does God? People take offense to the idea that church and and theology change, and they they misconstrue the idea that theology can change with that God has changed. Right. How about our understanding has changed? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I, what I what I'm being the the neutral observer all of this too is that it's interesting to see this played out, not just in the Methodist Church, but in pretty much all faith right now. Yep. Um, and obviously the biggest one in the uh, uh, at least most modern debate or conversations with the Catholic Church, which we may need to tackle this. At a later yeah. date, at is this it, point, it's yeah. getting a little long. Yeah, now. okay. Um, to be continued. That's on, right. On you, papist. Yeah, but I do. I want to. <laughs> Please have me back for that one. By the way, yeah, yeah I will, uh, or we will. Um, but I do want to bring it in. I think it's important. Um, I don't. I don't expect you to solve the world Methodist mm -mm. division <laughs> at this point, especially not sitting in front of a microphone drinking an epic IPA. Um, Very good, <laughs> but. I, I do think it's important that as we start to look at this stuff on an individual basis in an individual community, what do you think the steps are in your community, in your congregation that starts to, because you keep saying there's going to be these catastrophic you know results from this. There's going to be this division. Uh, I, I mean, I know for me as a person of faith, like that's the last thing that I want to see in a congregation. So what are the steps that you take to start, or individuals that are listening to this, what steps can they take to start, you know, lessening that so that it's not this, you know, giant thing as much? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so to take the, my church's, it, my church's model has been to um, kind of address it from an educational point of view first. So we have a we have a um, we have an adult Sunday school class who meets every week and then are fairly um, fairly active in in every class and so it it's been very nice in that sense. So the current topic has been sexuality in the church, and so I think that's where my church is kind of chosen. To start, for better or worse, um, but I'm looking up the Wesleyan quadrilateral right now. So John Wesley had this idea about how to talk about theology, and it's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral, quadrilateral, and it's essentially the four 
what he saw as the four tests for um, speaking about theology and from a scriptural point of view. And so um, his four sources for reasoning theologically are scripture, tradition, reason, and Christian experience. And today it's been more, more um, interpreted as kind of social experience. And so the next steps for my particular congregation look like this. We go through this class where we're going to probably argue a lot and where a large percentage of the class are not going to know what lesbian means. They're not, it's, it's a older denomination. It's an old, older congregation. They, I think more than anything need education on the subject mm-hmm. and without trying to say yay or nay, you need to, it's just simply an educational conversation. The end of this Sunday school class will inevitably get into conversations that are going to be very hard for people like infallibility of scripture, like um, the ability for scripture to truly be a living document and change over time and the idea that cherry picking, like we have discussed a couple times, happens all the time because as a society we continue our, in my opinion, as a society we continue our understanding of the true loving nature of God or the universal Christ, however you want to describe this entity that, that flows around all of us. So for us, it's going to be education. Then we're going to have to have a series of conversations and they're going to be frank and probably not very comfortable. And they're most likely going to be led by the pastor and and his my particular pastor is very disappointed by the things that happen in St. Louis but there are other pastors who are going to be very vindicated again just like every congregation and so it's going to be this massive reshuffle that the church has never seen my church has never seen and quite frankly no church of the the stature of the United Methodist Church has seen in many 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 hundreds of years really since the Anglican since the Anglican schism from from Catholicism, I mean, it, it, that was probably the last big thing that we've seen like this. Baptist denominations tend to fracture at a very rapid, but not um, seismic rate. There's tons and tons of Baptist denominations. And that's been the hallmark of that particular denomination for a long time is is easy is easy separation from one another over maybe not easy i mean certain people in those congregations would tell you differently but this tends to feel much more seismic than those type of schisms and and i think you're right it, it and and so to i don't to to say what's next i mean education and then we're going to have to have some very hard conversations we're going to have to have some very difficult debates and at some point there's going to be a line in the sand you know, and my discussions with my mom and dad, who are, you know, go to the same church, and we have a lot of very interesting theological conversations. But you know, at one point, at what point do you flip the money chambers changer table? <laughs> at what point do you stop saying, "Look, you know, we're going to be okay with this because we're very accepting, and our religion tells us to be accepting, and Jesus tells us to to accept and to love, to turn the other cheek." But Jesus also got really pissed off because people were people were being hypocritical in the very place that was supposed to be the least or the most free of hypocrisy and the most pure they were they were defiling that and so if this is the same kind of thing i just i can't help but get get a little bit fired up about it and say yeah now is the time to change you know flip that money changers table and say nope we're not standing for it anymore this you cannot do this because the only thing I'm intolerant of is intolerance itself, <laughs> and I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it other than that. But mm-hmm. you know that really is true. Is that there comes a line in the sand where people are going to either di- divorce themselves from the church or not. And I'm the the, the particular role that I perceive for my church is when people become educated about it. I think that the vast majority of them will choose what I believe is the path that Jesus would choose and choose radical love, radical inclusion Mm -hmm. and push the limits of your own ability to love and your own ability to feel empathy and compassion rather than cut yourself off from a, from a burgeoning 
portion of humanity that, that is going to not go away. And I believe the language, the DNA, the very blueprint of the universe is caring and compassion and love in all of its forms. That is what I believe that God gives to us and that we thank him for in church. And so if that's true, then how do we, how do we synthesize that opinion with the opinion of we, we exclude some? And I don't care if it's for the clergy or not or whatever. To say that it's what's good for the goose is not good for the gander, call, pot calling the kettle black, all of these things. I just, I just really, really, it really fires me up. I just think it's so hypocritical. Well, it's funny, and I shouldn't say funny. It's interesting that I, I think it is a very generational thing too. Um, and obviously, when you're talking about the difference in the the global community, obviously a cultural part of it. Um, and I, I would venture to say though that the arc of history bends towards your side of this particular discussion too. That I actually would say the the, the traditionalist mindset is actually something that would probably for a lack of a better term, die off mm -hmm. in, in the future. I tend to agree, and I think portions of Christianity have already done that very thing in throughout time. Yeah. Well, so, man, there's so much right now. Uh, <laughs> we should do a part exploded. two. Yeah. We almost, I think we need to, yeah. uh, really. But I do want, I want to touch on this. So I think the most important thing you said in... How do you solve this at an individual basis is um, education, communication. Mm -hmm. I think those are the two things that you kind of landed on there. Yeah. The, the point where I would say that I, I want to challenge people as a whole um, to kind of look at it in, in a different way is this idea of having to draw a line in the sand um, what, if, what if the focus shifts from what's actually freaking important? Mm. Um, we, we did this thing and I may have talked about it on this when I was in college and one of my first theology classes where we sat down and we had this list of, it, it was probably 150 items of what does it take to be a Christian? Um, what does it take to be a follower of Christ and check those things and so you go through and you check all those things. And then the instructor, the professor had everyone stand up. If you have 10 or less, sit down, 20 or less, sit down, 30 or less, sit down until there was one person left. And his point was this idea of, so you now, based on what you checked, have said no one else in this room is a Christian. Like no one else in this room is a follower of Christ. And I think what we have done as a system of belief is we have landed on where we do have to draw this line in the sand. And it's about crap that's not important. Like, forget that. Like, let's take the spotlight off of this and shift it to something that actually matters and figure out what is essential about our faith that can bring us together instead of trying to find all these little things that separate us and create all this strife. So... I couldn't agree more, man. I could not agree more. There's my soapbox for the. No, episode. I don't yeah, think it, I, like, I, I, I think it's exactly the fundamental it, crux of the issue. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I, I think denominations need to be done away with. Which, as you're talking about stuff dying off, I hope we see that in our lifetime. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen in our lifetime, but it is happening. Yeah, I, it's absolutely I, happening I, right before I, our very eyes. Yep, I, I think in two to three generations, it'll be a complete shift from that, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that needs to be part two at this point. So, <laughs> um, Nathan, thank you yeah, so much yeah, for being man, here. This I feel is like awesome. I did lots of talking. No, that's good though because yeah. you did a lot of uh, very educational yeah. talking. So I, I feel much better informed about this particular issue. Yeah, you're on the inside track, which is always helpful. It's been a really big deal. It's mm -hmm. been. Um, and it, it will continue it, to be. It, that's exactly that's exactly right. It will continue to be a massive challenge. Um, but I think you're right. In a hundred years, um, following the you know the universal Christ will be a totally different yeah. thing than it is now, and and that's probably going to be a very good thing. So we're going to take a quick pause, and then we're going to come back and solve a real world problem that needs to be addressed. And we're back. All right. <laughs> so, 
We're, we're trying to solve a, a, an issue today. Um, a big actually, issue. A huge issue. Uh, Very a, important. A friend of mine actually posted a picture, and I immediately sent it to Jay and said, we should try to solve this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the issue of people. Apparently, we have an obsession with parking lots because yeah. this is our second one on this. But people <laughs> that park over multiple spots right. in a parking lot. Yeah, two so, spacers. Yeah, at least sometimes yeah. it's four. Yeah, like, we live in the land of big trucks, so sometimes they can they can take up a whole quadrant of them. Right. Yeah. Which I have more sympathy for that than the guy in the BMW that sure. parks on four spots. Yeah, but that's me. His yeah. car is more important than yours. I that <laughs> that is the assumption that goes out. Yes. <laughs> the the problem is is whether that's accurate or not. Of course it's not. <laughs> I, I think we should take this to some council and see if that should be included or excluded <laughs> at this point. You should be so, able to throw your gum in the open convertible top every time. <laughs> That's a great start to this. It is. It is. So I think really what it boils down to, I think is first off a lack of self-awareness, you know, like people who park like that, um, they're, they're in a rush. Ideally, maybe. No, I, I, I hold think... on, hold on, hold on. I just, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Right. What would Jesus think about this person? <laughs> hey, take a step back. Do not judge, right? Continue. So, <laughs> all I'm trying to say is give them the benefit of the doubt at first, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. they're in a rush. Maybe they've got kids that were screaming at them when they turned into the spot. And I, I'm trying to be at least give a little bit of sympathy to them. So then step away from them not being self-aware of how they parked. What's the next step then? Is it is it shaming? <laughs> is it uh, parking next to them directly so they can't actually open up their their door? What what is the proper response to that? Flatten their tires. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on block. I, okay, I would like the record to show that the atheist is the, the one who's actually trying to get like the Christians. <laughs> To act well, like Jesus here, uh, and they're not doing it. First of all, the atheist <laughs> is delusional to think that these people are just, you know, absent-minded, and this was an accident. If someone parks on the line or is parked crooked, I have total grace for that. It happens. It, it took me three months to learn how to park my new truck, because you just, you don't see it the same, like, mm-hmm. I, I get it. And, and I would constantly... Where I will give you the difference is I would constantly get out, go, oh, crap, that doesn't look right, back up and fix sure. it. But I'll, I'll have some grace if you are parked sideways or you're on a line. Okay. But the people that are intentionally parking straddling like the line. splitting the line. Yeah, okay, no. now that's – I'm not saying that. Okay. okay. I was We're like, not talking about the same person. All right. Okay. I was like, those people – those are two very different breeds. Okay. To, to the people that rush in and have screaming kids and no. you park a little crooked, Okay. Okay. Try to do better next okay. time. So we're talking about actual line straddlers, like the ones that literally just like they have so much room on both sides that they don't even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, yeah. or yeah. the four way. Yeah. The or park the across. Sure. Like, yeah. That they're taking up four different spots in an effort to ensure that people don't park around them. Okay. Like how do how do we solve that issue? Okay. Go ahead. Well, besides my... flattening tires. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'd have nothing. <laughs> in Las Vegas, I went to UNLV, and they, people would do that with their really hot rods and stuff. And the UNLV is uh, interesting in the in the nine in the early two thousand was interesting because it was very uh, diverse, where you had a lot of real kind of rough and tumble Nevada desert kids with their mullets and then you had a lot of real rich kids from southern california and so i knew a kid that hated these people so badly that he would go and break their mirrors off of their cars when he saw them do this because he figured that they were rich and entitled and he hated them so much because he was this um you know kind of central nevada trailer Guy. Yeah, I don't know how to even describe it. But. Class warrior, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was a class warrior thing. He was very he 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 really hated him because he thought that they I mean for the reasons that we but he he was ready to um throw some retribution out there. But yeah, he would he would break it and then leave it hanging. 
And mm. he, I, I don't know. He was an honor guy. <laughs> is, is this the solution you're recommending at this point? No, I'm just saying it is an end choice. It is a choice. Uh, well, <laughs> it's the right choice. I was like, there's always lots of choices. We're trying to figure out like what is the best solution so, to this issue. So going back to what we talked about earlier in this episode, I think education <laughs> and communication are really key parts of this. So there's actually. Uh, there's an online service. The name escapes me. Maybe I'll try to link it uh, in the notes afterwards. But there is actually a way to print out uh, a ticket that says "You park like an asshole," yes. and you can it can it has a bunch of different options about how this person parked wrong. Like you're taking up two spaces, room for notes, you know, something like that, where you can then write it out, put it underneath their windshield wiper, and leave some constructive feedback to that person. Because otherwise, you break a mirror, and that doesn't really send a clear message other than my mirror's broken. It doesn't say anything about the parking So you job. need to leave it out. I broke your mirror because, because <laughs> you're a butthead. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I have always wanted to I, – I love – I've seen those tickets, but I, I, I want it to go one step further where like, I want it to be enough of an inconvenience for them that they have to acknowledge it. And so I would like a full like driver's side sticker that has that information. Ah. And it and it's not an easy like peels off right away. Sure. Like you need you a gotta, box cutter yeah, down the Yeah, you gotta go and scrub this thing. Panel, yeah. And so you at least have to consider your actions a little more as you're like mm. scraping this off. I will not park like a dumbass. I will not like, you know, something <laughs> along those lines. So. Some penance. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure this is the right solution either, but <laughs> I've always considered, you know, full window stickers that mm. have that kind of message. You could get three of your buddies and park all around him in just such a way where he had to do like an 18 point turn <laughs> to make it barely through the one thing without scratching his car. Can... I, I've seen the videos where like they box someone in and make them crawl in through the trunk kind yeah. of thing. And I'm like, does it, but will that change anything? Like, I don't, I don't know if do don't they know. change their actions at that point. I don't know. Cause I think people just get really mad then, you know, like, yeah. cause even if you inconvenience them, like there is a certain point where people then get mad and then, you know, that's. I think you can kind of even see how it plays out in politics nowadays, where people just want to own the libs is their best way of actually <laughs> retorting to anything. So anything you do to like <laughs> to give them some sort of education, they just say, oh, they just become very contrarian as a, as a result. So I don't know. I wanted my movie mirror broken off anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you just helped me out. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, I, do, I just don't know. I don't know what the solution to this one is. No. I, and I think that's kind of the general trend of these. Is we, we, I don't know. Yeah. I, what, <laughs> a, what, what about simple? Just carry a bar of soap. And and then you can write with, and it will be easily remute. No long term. Just write huge on the window. Your, your parking is terrible or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. kind of choice I, word. I park like a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Abuse me because I can't see the line whatever you want to maybe that's you just carry that soap and you write a little note so that everyone knows a little public shaming it's a little <laughs> public shaming there it is is that some soap in your pocket or are you happy <laughs> yeah, to see me know, there that's soap in your <laughs> are you going to publicly shame publicly shame me <laughs> I, the only other thing I came up with is we need like um, and this would create jobs so maybe this is a good thing you need a parking lot attendant that just has you know like they have those mobile forklifts mm. that they use to haul pallets around you have one of those that's built for a car so if someone parks like that they it's just their job they go out and move it into a parking spot correctly leave a nice little note like hey I helped you out like I parked you within the lines we ask you to do that in the future kind of thing and yeah then, you know, and maybe that's just the future of parking too. Like where it becomes, we create new valet systems where basically yeah. you just show up to a spot and some dude with a forklift actually like lifts your car into a and stack, puts it in the right spot. Yeah, well, that's in New York. I have that kind yeah. of already. It's yeah. like there's that trend is coming. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see that ever happening in our community. No, but, no, we you know. we have the opposite of a parking problem. Yeah, in our community. <laughs> yeah. Really, there used to be parking meters in Delta. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I did know that. We had such a abundance of business happening in downtown. There were metered parking spots. Mm-hmm. Wow. If only that was still true. Yeah. 
All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Nathan, you will definitely be back. Uh, we have already decided that this is going to be a two-part episode, mm-hmm. uh, which was not the original plan, but sometimes there's just too maybe, much to talk about. Maybe it was God's will. <laughs> or or no free will. That's a, that's a callback right It was there. either the randomness of the universe or God's will or both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. so, well, thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you find us on uh, iTunes or your favorite podcast provider which for jay is definitely not itunes Mm-mm. at this point <laughs> nope. stitcher google whatever it is can't make Le- me like them <laughs> leave us a review wherever you like um help us find people uh help new people find us um keep sending in comments and thoughts we love mm-hmm. seeing those things obviously you know drink suggestions are always appreciated always welcomed so with that jay You're listening to a Christian and an atheist walk into a bar where we solve the world's problems one adult beverage at a time. Cheers. Cheers.